Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We kick things off in the final hour by discussing Tennessee and SEC headlines with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of BallQuest.com. You can read their great work daily. A lot happening across the uh, the SEC on the spring practice front. We've got hoops to discuss with the Final Four this weekend and more. Brent, hope you're doing well. I, I am. Hope, hope you guys, guys are doing well. well. Fantastic. Brent Hub's with us. Again, BallQuest.com, the website. So tickets for Vandy UT baseball in Nashville are listed right now at more than for Final Four, for all three games of the Final Four. I understand this is an important series. It's a nice venue. You want to see the two teams. Uh, is there really this level of demand to see a regular season college baseball series? Yeah, I mean, I think there is. But because you're talking about I – mean, you got to remember now, you're playing the Final Four in, a, in an NFL stadium. So there's a lot of, seat, a lot of seats available there. You don't have a ton of seats available in Nashville. Uh, you've got a great rivalry. You've got a Tennessee fan base that is trying to buy up every ticket they can get their hand on. So anything in the third market is elevated in price a great deal because there, there's that much looking for a quest for a ticket, if you will. Brent, uh, watching Tennessee, and I know you don't get to see a lot, but Tennessee football practice in spring practice right now, um, what has the difference or maybe even similarities from the first uh, spring practice that you witnessed in terms of familiarity uh, with this roster, but also even some of the new guys have come in. W- have you seen a difference from Josh Heupel and his staff with this group in terms of how they go about their business? Yeah, I mean, I think your focus is different. Um, you know, when you, it's like if you go to an NFL rookie camp, you're teaching those guys how to walk. And, and last spring was like rookie camp or mini camp, rookie mini camp, if you will, where you were trying to teach them what line to get in and, and all those things. You're starting at ground zero, and that's just not the case now. You're, you're sitting here dealing with um, a group of guys that have a great understanding of what's going on and uh, what, what the expectations are, the standards, uh, how to go from one drill to the next, what you're trying to accomplish in, in each drill. So I think from that standpoint, the coaches are allowed to coach more. You're coaching something different. You're not coaching effort. You're, you're, coaching, you're coaching more ball. There was so much coaching of effort last year um, because there were new systems on both sides of the ball. And offensively, obviously, you're trying to go fast. So I, I do think there's a different mentality and a different approach this spring. So all the talk about uh, Nico Iamaleava and his commitment to Tennessee. The forgotten man in all this at quarterback is Taven Jackson who's currently on campus as a true freshman. Uh, and apparently he's impressed so far uh, from what you guys have seen at, at VolQuest, Brent. What did Tennessee get in, in Taven Jackson, a guy currently on the roster? 
What have you seen from him so far? Obviously, very early in his college career, but in his first few practices this spring. Well, he's a guy that when you talk to people in the winter, in January and February, that you're hearing good reviews about because he was very focused and he was very driven. Uh, I think he's a smart guy who, who can pick up things quickly. He's a good athlete. And, and Austin, I, I think the other thing, too, is he's a guy who um, knows that he's got to make hay right now, right? Because Nico's not here. He, he's got a leg up, and he's got to take full advantage of that leg up. And I think that's why you see a very dialed-in, uh, even though he's young, very dialed-in, very focused quarterback trying to maximize every opportunity presented in front of him right now. One-year head start, Brent. One-year head start. And you have to take advantage of it. You're exactly right. He's got to be able to, you know, I'm not saying, you know, go out there and compete for the job, but he has to have a firm command and feel so comfortable that, you know, by the time that, you know, next spring practice rolls around and Nico's head swimming and, and trying to understand things and all that, David Jackson just walks up there like, this is, this is second nature to me. This is, this is comfortable to me. And, uh, you know, he'll have a rapport with those receivers that are freshmen that by them will be sophomores. Um, yeah, he has to take advantage of this year. He cannot rest um, on knowing, you know, I'm not going to play this year. I think he's got to almost approach it like you're going to be the starter because that could lead to him potentially being the guy the following year. Austin, we asked you last week about the commitment of Nico and what it meant for Tennessee recruiting moving forward. You mentioned that Tennessee's now one of the cool programs out there in recruiting. Uh, big month coming up for Tennessee in recruiting, possibly. Have, are you starting to see the benefits now of the perception that Tennessee's one of those cool programs uh, with some recruits out there? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, next weekend's a big weekend. Um, when you think about Tony Rojas, a guy that Tennessee loves, uh, could play linebacker or running back. When you think about the receivers coming in, Carnell Tate, Kyler Casper, um, you know, you, you have, you know, several big time guys, even a guy like Sylvester Smith is going to be in next weekend. So, you know, Nico comes in, the established committed guy, recruiting others to join him. There's going to be quality players here this weekend, not as big of a deal, but you still have guys that Tennessee's high, highly in on, has a good shot at like Knoxville Catholics, Trevor Duncan is going to be on campus tomorrow. Jaden Davis was there earlier today for practice, the quarterback of the 2024 out of Charlotte. So, um, yeah, they become the school that kids are wanting to at least go check out. Are they going to land them? Time will tell, but they're at least, they at least have their interest peaked enough to where like, Hey, let's go take a trip. Let's go see what Tennessee has to offer. And Brent, you and I both know getting them to campus goes a long way to potentially landing them because Tennessee's always going to show well, It, it, it has shown well for years. It still shows well now. Yeah. And guys want to play with other good players. Kids know who everybody is. This this is not the this is not 1994 where Brandon Stewart didn't know Peyton Manning and didn't know what he was doing and Peyton Manning didn't know what Brandon Stewart was doing. Th- these guys they they Snapchat with each other, they DM on Instagram, they see each other at camps. It's a fraternity of high school kids out there. Even if you're in California and you live in Florida, everybody knows each other because it's so much easier to communicate now. Kids gravitate towards good players. They want to play with other good players. That's why the Alabamas have continued to recruit well. Georgia's Clemson, because they all want to go to a place that has good players. And I will add to this, Chad, to your point, there have been a couple of players that are nowhere near Nico as far as like ge- geography. You know, offensive lineman from Indiana was in the other day. And players like that bring up Nico. Like, I mean, like kids, kids are very aware of what Tennessee got in its quarterback. And, and 
you know, it's definitely something that, you know, has, you know, again, piqued the interest of several. Spring practice ongoing, guys. Austin, how busy will Tennessee be in the portal, in the in, in transfers, as soon as things wrap up spring-wise? Well, you, you know, Brew McCoy was here the other day, took his, you know, took his visit. I, I expect Brew to announce something um, as soon as his uh, academic uh, semester wraps at Southern Cal. Um, you know, that, that just seems like it's trending the right direction. But again, will he take any more visits? You know, I mean, does he go anywhere else between now and – you know, the second week of May, you know, and uh, if he doesn't, then, you know, I would say Tennessee's got a pretty good shot there. If he does, then obviously things could get uh, a little more dicey, but I expect him to be uh, a lot more active coming out of uh, spring ball with, with, with potential transfers. You would look on the defensive side, Brent, you would look, uh, you know, whether it be a linebacker, potentially adding someone else in the secondary or, or an edge pass rusher. I don't think they would add a, ta- a defensive tackle or an interior guy, but definitely an, an edge guy. And then on offense, where do they feel like they are with the offensive line, Brent? I mean, is J.J. Crawford and Gerald Mincy, you know, serviceable enough to where they don't feel like they have to go out and get anybody else? And then what do they do, you know, potentially at running back? Yeah, they've got numbers to play with. I don't think you ever turned down a defensive lineman if you think the guy can help you, whether he's an inside or outside guy. I just think you look at them at corner. Uh, so many guys are hurt right now. If you could find a corner that you believe can help you, that's got some experience that would, would make you settled back there, I, I think Tennessee would have to look long and hard at a corner if they feel like he's a quality enough guy that can settle you at one side of, one, on one side of the field there. Hey, help us with this, Austin. So Brew McCoy is enrolled at Tennessee. Uh, at least he's put his name in the register at Tennessee in some way. But this happens a lot where guys will enroll at multiple schools before they decide where they're going when they transfer. Is that true? That's true. I mean, like Isaiah Nayer was in the uh, was in was in the academic uh, you know roster for Tennessee, and then you know obviously that you know didn't pan out. Uh, so yeah, I mean you can be you know academically registered at multiple schools. Um, he can have a he can have a set of classes up. You know that that doesn't mean until he goes to class, um, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and here's the advantage for doing that for those people wonder why you would do that. I don't know exactly the date that the system that they end at at USC academically, but he could very easily transition uh, on a Thursday, finish up at USC, and go to a mini term class at Tennessee on Monday or finish up in late May and go to summer school class in June. You, you got to get that done. You got to get everything organized so that you're not sitting there trying to get it admitted and you missed the ad drop deadline for summer school or for many term if you're trying to get in. I, I want to say Southern Cal starts their uh, start. I, I looked at this. They start their, um, they start their exams around the third or fourth of May. Brent, I know it's a shorter window this year. Are they even doing many term at Tennessee? Because it's literally like two weeks by the time one semester ends and uh, summer classes begin because they started late because they were trying to give more buffer coming out of uh, Christmas time for COVID. Well, I think uh, and that's what I don't know. Yeah, I think they're still doing a short schedule there. But again, even if they're not, you're talking about if you wait until you're done, get all your transcripts, submit, request admission. You got a holiday in there. Suddenly you're putting yourself in a position that you might not get it run through admissions in a quick enough period of time. You take care of that all that stuff early, then you're in a situation where you can pick whatever school you want to pick. Uh, and, and I think that's why you see Brew McCoy already enrolled uh, or listed as a student in Tennessee's directory. You guys talked about uh, 
uh, coaching staff not needing the coach effort like it it did uh, a year ago. How else have things maybe changed for for Josh Heupel, particularly and, and the staff second second time through with with their stuff? I just think you can go faster, Paul. I mean, I think your installs are faster. Uh, I, I think you can add to faster. I thought it was interesting talking to Joey Halsley. Um, just the fact that they're not playing the, the the musical chairs at quarterback, trying to balance everybody's reps. There's a pecking order at the quarterback position. You know, Hendon Hooker's your starter. And so instead of trying to make it all equal and a fair race and all these other things, you just go. And, and I think that's just allowing them to do things faster that way. Uh, it helps develop some chemistry with some guys. Um, one of the things they talked about with Hendon Hooker is trying to use him more in the run game, but for him to be smarter in the run game, I think you'll see some tweaks in how they run the football. So it's allowing you to deep dive into some things more specific that you felt like coming out of your self-scout at the end of the year, you really needed to get working on, and, and that's allowing them to do that. Whereas a year ago, there was just a lot of it, Austin, was just evaluating what you had, who could help, who couldn't help. You know the answer to that question this spring already. Yeah, I thought Tim Banks gave a great answer about that last week. You know, they didn't know what they had last year in the linebackers. They know what they had in Jeremy Banks. They know what they had in several of those guys in the spring – they know what they have in Brandon Turnage or Kamal Haddon or Deshaun Rucker. Even if it's a few guys that are inexperienced, they've still seen them on the practice field a lot more than they had ever seen anybody a year ago. And that goes across the board. So, like, when you're, you know, thin in the secondary this spring, it's not, you know, as concerning heading into fall because you kind of know what you have waiting in the wings. And then, you know, you try to bring some guys like Desmond Williams and, and you know, so on and so forth, you know, further along with more repetition – uh, Brent, you talked about going fast. I saw on Twitter today where they were going slower. So. <laughs> we uh, we hey, is is April Fool's Day not the worst day of the year? Yeah, yeah we we open the show talking about that. We do I mean, not like com- it on the show. It's completely pointless to me. Yeah. Sorry. Now That's that was that was such that. a was funny humorous. joke that it was you know we we tweeted that out like this is a good way to do it because everybody obviously knows. Would that you it's would a you joke. guys ever take a commitment seriously on April Fools if it was tweeted? Well, I mean, you, you, had, you know, LT Overton, one of the top uh, linemen in the 23 class, reclassified to the 22 and announced from Texas A&M a couple hours ago. So I figure they're taking it pretty serious down in college. State. <laughs> By the way, Jerry Green was hired on April Fool's Day at Tennessee. And uh, I spent an hour in uh, afternoon radio convincing everybody I was not playing. Uh, Mike Keith and I were not doing an April Fool's joke on everybody. It was really Jerry Green as, as Tennessee's new basketball coach. Fun. That is amazing. Speaking of Tennessee basketball, um, we're starting to see the strategy with Rick Barnes and staff with this next year's roster. Uh, Kennedy Chandler is gone, we, we all believe, is going to the NBA. But they are recruiting the portal in a way that would show us that he's not the only one leaving. And that's no surprise, the way the portal, it, it gives and it takes away. Who are you hearing Tennessee may be losing uh, off this team? And, and uh, some of the guys, I know that LSU transfers one of them, that they're seriously considering bringing in as well. Well, I don't think they're going to lose anybody of significance. I, I do think there's going to be some more movement, but I don't think it's going to be from guys who uh, were, were, were big-time contributors to this team. Uh, I know there's been some talk you know, throughout the year about Brandon, uh, about Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. Where is he at? Uh, how is he with everything? Because it was you know, until, uh, in, until you had an injury, you didn't see him on the field. Uh, but I, I think that's a situation where he's comfortable – I don't think that that he's looking to move. I think he's going to be where he's at. In terms of where Tennessee is going, 
you know, Brandon Murray is the LSU guy that Tennessee is, is um, involved in there. Uh, I think that's a guy that Tennessee wants to go a deep dive in if they can. He visited Tennessee officially before he committed. Um, you know, and so we'll see where else they go from there. It's one of those things. It's like in football, Austin. Anytime somebody goes in the portal, regardless of where they're from or whether they have a tie to Tennessee or not, the question you get is, is Tennessee going after them there? Um, Tennessee looks to want to bring a guard in. They look to want to bring a big man in if they've got enough movement in their roster. So we'll see exactly how that shakes out. Yeah, Julian Phillips, the kid that was committed to uh, Kentucky, is someone that, you know, uh, I think Tennessee would look at. So was Jalen Llewellyn, a kid that played at Princeton, point guard. He played for Curtis Staples, who is the basketball coach at Lakeway Christian Academy, which is in White Pine, about 45 minutes northeast of uh, Knoxville. He played high school ball for uh, for uh, for him, uh, you know, just a few years ago. So we'll see what materializes out of this. But obviously Tennessee – could potentially will have you know, especially with Kennedy likely gone. It's at least one spot, probably more than that. And you know, it's you know, recruit best available. You've seen what you know an Iowa State can do, going from two wins to the you know second weekend. You've seen what you know Miami can do, bringing in a bunch of kids out of the portal. Tennessee doesn't have to do that much, but if they add the right pieces, they can go from you know here to here. You know, uh, and that would be a big step. Brent, how are things going with uh, Neyland Stadium and all the? all the construction that's been going on there? Uh, on on time right now, I had a chance to visit in passing with uh, athletics director Danny White. I asked him about that. He said, we're on time. If we've got to put up floodlights and work throughout the night and pay overtime, uh, we're, we're going to get there. And I think the only concern you have when you do any kind of project like this is do you get the material in? Uh, I think that's the one concern. Anybody building a house out there knows what's how long you're having to wait on windows right now and different things like that. So, the only real concern you have, I think the weather's going to be fine. I don't think they're going to be in a situation where they're up against it that way. It's just can they stay on time with all the materials that, that they need for this project to get going. Um, the framing's almost done uh, for, for the, um, the the video board in the north end zone. Uh, I think they're going to be fine there. Uh, it's just to make sure you get all the materials you need. You know, with that club area, the seating part will be completely done. Will everything be finished out on the back end behind it? for all the premium stuff there right out of the gate. I don't know. They may be tidying up some stuff there late, but they feel pretty confident they're going to be okay in terms of getting that everything done before the season opener. Uh, is there any break in case of emergency plan if it's not ready? What would they do? What's plan B? Uh, put up some floodlights and work overtime. Yeah, but I'm saying I mean, like, if they can't get the equipment, like you're, you're saying, if they can't get the stuff in well, I mean, shipment wise. Well, you, I mean, you would, you would obviously, you're going to have, you have a cutoff date where you got to pull your equipment out of there uh, and, and get your side ready and get your turf ready to play. And, and if you, you know, I don't think they're going to be in a situation where it's going to be a health hazard, but if you didn't have something done, perhaps you don't rope it off at that point. But I just, I don't feel the sense that there's any real concern with that because they got a quick start on it, they move quickly with things. Again, I mean, I think you're talking about a project of this caliber. You're probably going to get a manufacturing company that's probably going to bump you further up the line uh, than, than somebody else who's building a project because your timeline's different on this one. So uh, I don't know what the contingency plan would be, but I'm, I don't think that that's anything that's been given a thought at this point. Austin. Austin. I, I know what the contingency plan is. When in doubt, throw more money at it. That's <laughs> a great move. You give people enough hey. money. They'll get it done. That's well. That's going to Augusta National guys. They 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 can build tunnels underneath roads in, in a matter of days if if they need to do. Um, 
all true. Although money doesn't get you everything. Just ask Sig Up on campus. We learned yesterday for the first time that Chad Withrow was the recipient of the Balanced Man Scholarship from Sig Ep while rushing uh, fraternities uh, his first year in college. He accepted the payment, much like Fred Taylor from Georgia, uh, accepted the payment in cash, turned around and then pledged Sigma Nu and not Sig Ep and kept the money, just like Fred Taylor did. Scandal. Balanced did, did Man, Chad he, was, he got the Manscape Award? Yeah, balance, that too. The Balanced <laughs> Man awards, Scholarship. Both very coveted. Both very coveted awards, Austin. <laughs> I went with my heart. The Manscaped you know, Award? I took, I took the money. I said both very coveted. It's close inspection yeah, we, to win that very Manscaped well Award. I, I, I took the money, yeah. and uh, and I went with my heart. So everyone, everyone won. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'll say this for the Fred Taylor story. Yeah. Anybody that's covered recruiting for the last 25 years, they all read that story and went, well, yeah, of course he did. Because I, I promise you. Husband, I can name 15 guys right now that pulled the same trick. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, is not, that is nothing new, earth-shattering, groundbreaking news. That's happened a whole lot in recruiting for a long period of time, pre-NIL days. That, I can promise you that. The one thing he won't say is what Florida gave him, right? Well, sure. Yeah, exactly. That's the I mean, story. That's the look, story. I, just went I, mean, there for the, I went there for the love of the, for the love of the. <laughs> I just uh, really like Florida. Lake Alice. I liked hey, it so much. Yeah. I didn't. Hey. I took the money and didn't. Yeah. Even, I went to the place beautiful. that gave me nothing but a scholarship. Yeah, there's a lot of people who have double dipped. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, final thing, Austin. Are we going to see Tiger in Augusta? Oh yeah, we are. He's playing. Had a text last night from a good buddy of mine, whose name will remain nameless. He's like. Two of my buddies who are, who are members of Augusta just texted me, Tiger's in. They just are waiting to announce. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You got buddies that are members of Augusta? I need a second crack at that bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> His name's not Ta- Tiger Woods, this source, is it? No. That's the source I need. And, it, and it's not Charlie either. So, <laughs> But, but Austin can, Austin's the only guy who can name drop without dropping a name. Yeah. That's pretty good, Austin. Yeah. I give you credit. Not, not I, in a name impressive. drop, but I got a buddy I'm, who's got a buddy right. who knows two guys that are members of Augusta, and he's in. Right. Yeah, but I'm not going to name drop. Right. Yeah. Hey, Austin, I do, I do for the first time know someone that is working uh, Berkman's this year. Uh, I need to send you that contact info. There you yeah. Go. I, I don't care about going. I just want to go play it again. All right. Oh, he's guys, above going now. Yeah, he's, he's even been above going. Times. Guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Final Four. Um, Duke, Carolina should be happy. You have a pick for that game? Uh, uh, go ahead. It's going to be it, – it, they're going to make sure it's it's going to be Coach K versus Kansas for the national title. Uh, the better yet question is, is, is Withrow is – Withrow, Withrow, give me your best Vandy Whistler. Go ahead. Oh, I can't do that. I, I, there's a lot of things I can do as a balanced man, Austin. Many, many things. I'm a renaissance man, as you know, with that award, but I cannot whistle. Not at all. Can't even – Get close to it, and he he wants to be a balanced. By the way, man. a balanced man also would not grow out of going to the Masters, but only to play like you are. Oh, I don't I don't go to the Masters anymore. I'll go play. No, I would I, go. I, I, I would go. I just my my desire is other things. If you said, "Hey, I got a other ticket. Things. Let's go," well, then let's go again. Hey, what are these other why, things? This is why one of us on this panel is a balanced man scholarship I'll, I'll leave recipient, you with this. and no one else. I'll is. leave you other with this, guys. Things. The the balanced man scholarship. Rewards the balanced man who is a scholar, an athlete, a gentleman, and a leader. 
Chad Withrow. None four. of those things are oh, Chad Withrow, four. but he did win the Manscaped Award. I was, <laughs> I was born the same day as George Washington, and my father, you Tom shake, Withrow, said two great leaders were born today. <laughs> two great leaders were born today. Makes it sound like the same day. All right, see you guys. We're out of Later. time. Good job. Mention the year. Good job right, today. See you guys. Hey, good effort. Good hustle on the floor. We good love job. VolQuest. VolQuest.com, the website uh, for the latest from Brent and Austin and their great, great crew uh, that make it happen. We, we give our picks and preview the final four next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. April Fool's Day in 2007, Google sent out a mass email to their entire staff alerting them that a python was on the, on the loose. And the problem with the email was they weren't joking. And some, I guess some people in the building thought they were until they saw this massive snake. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Yeah, no one died, problem. to if my you, knowledge. If you have something legit on April Fool's, it's a problem. Did to, it specify why a python was on the premise? Someone's pet? I just uh, I saw that. As part of, uh, I'd love to meet the, the Google exec that has a Google Python facts. in their office that got loose. Well, they have that's everything. A, that's know? a nice. That's true. If you're into Pythons, they've truly got Python. everything. They've got everything at Google. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Give your picks on the Final Four. Um, previewing in order of tip-off here, Villanova Kansas is being overlooked. It's going to be a great matchup. Uh, you've got Kansas, but Villanova with the injury concerns. But, you know, they, were, they would play about six players, and now they're down to five in their rotation. So they'll, they'll still rotate off the bench, but for the most part, they, went, they want to play about six players as their main guys. Kansas only plays seven, and if you really look at the minutes. So uh, maybe that extra man depth is uh, a deciding factor here. I cannot get over the fact that Kansas was able to turn it on after the halftime break last week against Miami to an extent where it didn't matter what Miami did. They were not going to keep the pace with Kansas, despite leading by six at halftime. They were blown out of the water over the final 20 minutes of that game. And if Kansas brings that level of play in in an attack mode on Saturday as things tip off, Kansas wins by double digits in this. So Villanova... They've lived a little bit dangerously here in terms of uh, their lack of offense, right? They went 50-44, to 44, for example, against Houston. Um, Kansas, that second half, Hutton, you talked about, I think it was as much Kansas turning it on as it was Miami turning off the faucet <laughs> that where they had success in the first half. And that's no diss to Kansas, but Miami was terrible also, and it contributed to the, 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 the margin of victory in that game uh, for Kansas. Um, I, I just think Kansas offensively is better than what Villanova has seen so far in this tournament. I, I like Kansas. I like Kansas covering. I think it was four and a half last I checked at FanDuel. Um, I, I think Villanova, for the greatness of Jay Wright and that program and the culture he's instilled and everything else, I just feel like Justin Moore, is, 
yes, it's one guy in a six-man rotation. It's also a guy who does a lot of things for them, and he's their second-leading scorer. I think that affects Villanova in this game. Give me the Jayhawks. They also have multiple seniors in their starting they five. They do. Kansas. They have uh, all, all of their starting five are sophomore above, and they have multiple players with three years of experience or more on their roster. That is a massive advantage on this stage. It's also rare now that you get a, a true senior, an Ochai Baji, who is their leading scorer. You know, almost 19 points per game. And a lot of times, you know, it's a mix and match of that, that one-and-done freshman who scores a bunch of points, but they are led by their veterans uh, with, with Kansas. So um, I, I, like, I like Kansas in this one. You guys know I like Villanova. Maybe it's laced. Uh, I'm sure it's laced with a little hope. They've got a guy, Brian Antoine, I think is his last name. He's a five-star guy, McDonald's All-American, who's suffered some injuries that are what has kept him out of their rotation. He's healthy now, though. He just hasn't really forced his way in, into their lineup. He needs to be in their lineup now. In recruiting, he chose Villanova over schools, including Duke and Kansas. I wonder if Jay Wright's going to find a way to get a contribution out of this guy, who I believe is a junior. I I think he might be part of the formula here. They're going to shoot good free throws. Can they keep it close? Kansas has been a little bit of a streaky team, and I think Villanova – is more consistent. Uh, it's my hope that they take advantage of some of those some of those streaks by Kansas, and that they're there with six minutes left. And if they're there with six minutes left, I, I like their chances to be there with one possession left. It, it's going to be a a great coaching matchup in all of this. Uh, meanwhile, Duke Carolina, buckle up. I'm taking the points in this. I'm taking Carolina plus four. I think this is a classic game. Uh, th- both of these teams combined over the previous matchups, they average 162 points combined per game. One of those is an lopsided win for Duke. The other one, an upset win for Carolina, where they took control late in the second half and never looked back. And I think the way both of these teams and, and their leadership uh, on the floor has been playing over the course of this tournament, I think that carries over uh, to, uh, to Saturday night. And... While it may not reach the over-under, I may take the under just because it's pretty high, I, um, I still lean towards Carolina showing up in a big moment. I think Duke will as well, and that's why I'm taking the points instead of the money line. Show that graphic again, guys, if you would, but this matchup, the tell the tape between these two. Uh, blocks and rebounds, two things I want to focus in on here. 5.7 blocks per game for Duke. My favorite player in this entire tournament to watch so far has been Mark Williams. They're seven-foot freshmen. Key matchup in this game for me is Mark Williams versus Armando Baycott for North Carolina. They look very different. And what I mean by that is Baycott plays with more of a bruising mentality and style and is much more physical. And he is wider than Mark Williams. But the fascinating to me about when you look, we don't have their tell the tape next to each other, but I'll tell you. Baycott is 6'10", 240. And Mark Williams is seven foot two forty five, which shocked me, because Mark Williams is a slight guy. He's tall, he's long, but he is slight in the shoulders. I think that matchup of the physicality of Baycott against the shot blocking ability of Mark Williams and his ability or inability to keep his body away from Baycott and still affect shots down low and block shots, alter them. 
make life difficult on Baycott without getting fouls called mm-hmm. on him is a key for Duke in this game and keeping Baycott off the offensive glass. You saw it also there where while Duke has the advantage with blocked shots, North Carolina has a big advantage on the offensive glass. A big part of that is Baycott. I, I think that's the key matchup in this game. I like Duke. They have been virtually perfect from the under-eight timeout on in this tournament so far. I think that trend continues. I'm with you, Hutton. I think it's a close game. I think we're talking about another classic on Monday when we come back and do this show. Uh, but I like Duke to win a close game. I like Duke. The last I saw, I think it was four they're favored by. I think it's probably late possession type game where Duke hits some free throws to win by five or six. But a very close and competitive game. Yeah, I'm with you on Duke. I, I think A.J. Griffin with the 45.8% from three. Um, they've beaten two really good defensive teams in Texas Tech and then Arkansas. So I've just become a believer out of that, that they, they can meet any challenge defensively and play good offense. Banchero hitting eight for 15 threes on top of what he's able to do uh, closer to the basket. Um, they're the weakest defense of these four, but I don't think weak, weak by, by any means. And I'm on the, the, the bandwagon where I think that whatever nerves they had about K have, uh, you know, were, were absorbed by that first loss to Carolina and, and through sustaining what they've done so far with the four games in the tournament. Um, I, I, I think it'll be really good. I hope it's going to be really good. I, I think Duke's going to win. And I, I, again, find myself pulling for them. Uh, if they're playing Villanova in the final, I'll be rooting against them. I think if they're playing Kansas, I'm actually going to root for Duke to win the national championship. It's not going to bug me one way or the other um, who wins uh, between, the, between the two. I'm just glad we have the matchup. You know, I, I'm rooting for a great game instead of a win one way or the other. I've rooted for Duke before against some of those UNLV teams that I didn't care, care for, st- you know, I'm glad Kay's in the Final Four. I don't care one way or the other if he wins the championship. Like, I, yeah. it's just, um, I, I just want some solid basketball now, now that we have the Blue Bloods in the Final Four, which is what America wants. I mean, the, the tune-in factor for this is going to be through the roof. Nobody's complained about this. The, you imagine if we had St. Peter's pull one more upset? Yeah. yeah. Because the, be we'd, be getting, so, we'd be getting a game like we got in the Sorry, the I, I, was, I was thinking about my rooting interest. I'm definitely all for Duke in this game. Uh, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't care. I just feels like it should end on Monday night, one way or the other. Once he gets there, I don't really care who wins or if he goes out with a national title. I do want him to get past North Carolina and get to Monday night where there's a little bit more hype going into that, with that being his last game. Uh, this North Carolina team as an eight seed in the run they're on, Reminds me of the Kevin Ollie coach 2014 UConn team that was an eight seed that won it all. Uh, a lot of similarities, the one. seed being the start of it. Um, but I'll also say, while I sit here and preach about the democratic process of the college basketball tournament, how much I like it, I don't get overly excited when an eight seed wins it all. And I'll say it for this reason. Hubert Davis drastically underperformed this regular season. There's no other way to say it. But it doesn't matter now. (laughs) None of that matters because they found a way to get hot even after getting blown out of the ACC tournament in the semis by Virginia Tech. They got hot at the right time, and and they may win it all. And I just – 
in my tiny brain, there's just something that wants me to – I want to see a team that I feel like was one of the four or five best all year, you know, win the national championship in the end. And I, I have that feeling across all sports, and I just don't feel that way about North Carolina. And that's not me saying they're not deserving. Right now, they are one of the best teams, the way they've been playing this tournament. But I get anyway. what you're saying, but nobody's going to say, like, look at that plucky little eight seed winning it. They're going to say no. North Carolina just took a while to yeah, get this good. this is what they do. You won't see the other eight seeds, for the most part, make a run like this uh, and win the title. We saw it with UConn. UConn could, could be in that list of, of programs as well. But, again, like it, it, these guys are just routine for being on this stage. Regardless of where they're seated. Yeah, this is this is this where, isn't that same shock factor. No, this no. is where the uniform you wear matters. It does. Yeah. You know, there is a there is a consistent psychology across generations and different teams. And you know, you can say, well, you know, this has nothing to do with uh, the team in nineteen ninety three that won the national title for North Carolina with Rick Fox. But yeah, it does. I understand that these are different generations, but there's something about it. Dan Dockett just talked about it. There's something about these programs that you get in these big moments in March, and when you sign up to go play there, it's something comes over you where you make the plays and other teams find a way to not make the plays and screw it up. We talked about it earlier in the tournament I did with Tennessee. You know, They're just one of those programs that while a good program, good in the regular season, a lot of wins uh, in the SEC, they seem to find a way in March – to underperform and not win in the big moments. And North Carolina, definitely one of those blue blood programs for a reason that seemingly they find a way. We've also got a lot more alumni, NBA alumni going to be behind that bench who've been there, done that, to kind of buoy uh, the whole thing and show you why. Hey, we've done it. You do it. Let's all be on stage together. Well, that's that's the other thing about, about you know at least three of these teams. You could have – you have a who's who of just how you can name off all Basketball. of these great players um, that line the court. You could do that at Carolina and at Kansas, too. That's remarkable. Um, and the expectation. And then living – I think the other thing is living up to the expectation every year of being on this platform. This is, I mean, this is what these guys do. They may not cut down the nets every year, but they're here. I mean, it, and that's just – you know, you look at the, S, the SEC and the Big Ten – and the lack of runs that we've seen on this stage. And I know we saw it recently from South Carolina, but the lack of runs that we've seen on this stage throughout that, this path where eight of the 14, the last champions we've seen, have been from this foursome. Um, that's remarkable for a, for a tournament that is wide open. I look forward to the crowd shots on TBS to see what former players and celebrities are around, and it's a real missed opportunity they don't find Eric Church in that arena oh, he'll and be show there. him he'll, throughout the broadcast. He'll be I'm front saying. and center. Yeah, they, he, he needs to be a part of the broadcast. Yeah, they should do shots of some of his fans at home who made big plans to be at his show uh, being disappointed. Go, li- he- go live to the uh, Airbnb or hotel that they've rented. Here for are the people who feel about Eric Church the way Eric Church feels about North Carolina. And here's how they're spending their disappointed night. I saw someone tweet out um, – you know, it just it's find the equivalent in from sport, sports and music. Like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers just said, sorry, guys, I got, you know, the Killers are playing for the last time ever. I really got to catch this concert. <laughs> I'm not going to be there for the right. Bears game. It would never happen, right? I mean, I get the difference with how many tour dates I'm sure Eric Church is playing versus games. Uh, but, yeah, I get it. Well, we, we continue uh, the – the Tiger Woods watch today to find out if he's going to be in the field 
Um, right now, there are 91 players listed for the Masters, which will begin practice rounds next week. And uh, the PGA Tour Communications Department has listed the most recent group of players in the field as of today at 5 o'clock Eastern. We'll, we'll tell you It's been reported. Austin Price said he's in. Well, Austin says he's in, but the PGA Tour uh, Communications Group, they've sent out the list. Uh, and we'll, we'll tell you what Tiger's up to. We haven't heard anything directly from him, but we will preview the weekend, which will include news about Tiger. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. New Orleans officials expect around 100 to $130 million dollars in the city for hosting the Final Four. Outkick 360 rolls on. That ties into a discussion we'll have next week about bigger stadiums, massive stadium deals and contracts for a city, and what can be earned down the road. Um, we may be discussing Tiger Woods next, next week in Augusta, gentlemen. Um, the PGA Tour Communications Department, which is a verified account, I don't know why they would... April Fool's us like this, as of 5 p.m. Eastern, so as of 52 minutes ago, they list Tiger Woods as one of the participants for the 2022 Masters. He's back. Now, that can change. Um, in fact, I've, I've been at a practice round before where Ian Poulter was flown in uh, to replace someone who had to pull out due to injury or just didn't feel like he was capable of actually competing that week, and he was flown in and, and, and had a practice round on Wednesday right before teeing off on Thursday. So things can change. Typically official the Friday before. Well, the players have declared who's, you know, who's going to be there, who's not. I mean, Mickelson's not on the list. We know he's not participating. Uh, Woods has, has not told them he is or is not. I guess, you know, he's there. He's been, he's been seen practicing there. So Mickelson's going to be be in Riyadh. (laughs) Yeah. That's the last time we've seen him. Uh, out in Saudi Arabia. No, that's uh, that's awesome news. And you heard it here first because Austin Price broke the news to us. That <laughs> a buddy of a buddy let him know that he's a member at Augusta and that Tiger's back. And well, he's listen, play in this, this is the thing I anticipate second most about next week. Uh, most, I, as you all know, I anticipate who Jim Nance gives his tie to Monday night. Yep. And then, you know, how he transitions from – the, the NCAA final right to Augusta on Tuesday morning. Jim Nance. Um, he stopped doing it out of shame. Jim Nance is not the best basketball play-by-play guy that does tournament games. Um, I, I will say that about I love Jim Nance. Um, there are favorite? guys who have passed him in terms of basketball. Play-by-play? Play-by-play. Who's your favorite? I think Kevin Harlan's better. Kevin Harlan is such basketball, a good and I'll, I'll tell you another guy. one that he's it doesn't touch Jim Nance in football, but Ian Eagle is terrific at basketball. I would put both those guys ahead of Jim Nance. I understand the gravitas of Jim Nance and having him on that call, and I'm not saying they should replace him, but I listen to those guys and think, man, it's better. The other one, other broadcasting note: 
Bill Raftery, you can't do away with Bill Raftery. I love him. Because he's such a staple of it. But, man, Grant Hill is really good. I really enjoy Grant Hill. It was very easy to listen to Grant yes. Hill. He says smart things. He is very, very polished. Send it in, Jerome. Yeah. Metaman. Let's get that open up a little. Metaman. Get that on full display with yep. the final four. Um, wait, I can't wait. Let's, let's get this thing going. Let's fast forward 24 hours and uh, watch these games tip off. On Monday, we are back live here at 6th and Peabody, and we will be out in the Yeehaw and Old Smoky Beer Garden uh, previewing all things national championship for later that evening and uh you can watch the game right here if you're in the the middle tennessee area where uh the winner of duke and carolina will face uh the early tip-off victor between kansas or villanova you can join us here on site and if you can't join us here in middle tennessee join us for the show we'll have special guests uh, throughout and uh, analysis and previews uh, including that at fanduel fanduel.com ok360 where you can place uh, your first bet Five dollars nets you one hundred and fifty dollars in site credit, win or lose. And then, if you do that, like for the final four, as a new user, you can then turn around and follow us for how we're going to play this on Monday night. Hope you'll join us for the national championship pregame show, uh, which is uh, all things Monday on Outkick three hundred and sixty. We'll live at two o'clock central, three o'clock eastern across the Outkick network. Off to one of my top cities in America, and I mean bottom, Memphis. Don't block the box, do lock the locks.